want to deal with something that might seem a little controversial, but um, I want to kind of lay something out uh, so that you have a defense for your faith. Amen. Um, I want to, I'm still in renewing of your mind, but I'm going to kind of do something a little different. So I want you to see this. Um, go to Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one through two. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one through two, which is our foundational scripture. And this is renewing of the mind part two. I want to kind of push something on tonight um, that maybe uh, you did not see or did not understand, but I want to kind of lay something out. Uh, renewing of the mind part two, Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one and two. Very familiar text. You've heard it over and over again. And I want to um, kind of let this be the springboard for where we're going. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one through two. If you have a say, amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Look at your neighbor and say, you need your mind renewed. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I said this on last week, and I want to kind of uh, let this be the foundational thesis of this whole conversation about renewing the mind. John P Piper said, we are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us say that again. We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. If we spend all our time imitating the world, adapting to the world, emulating the world, and the worldly ways, and ultimately, watch this, obeying the world, it means that we cannot be effectively used as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because God says that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of our mind so that we will be able to pass the test. What is the renewal of the mind? When a person surrenders their life to Jesus Christ and becomes a believer, they are immediately transformed or regenerated in their spirit man. Um, regenerated, we said this before, is the new birth, is a spiritual, holy, and heavenly birth that results in our being made alive again. But the Holy Spirit takes up resident in us, in the spirit of the person, and we become the ch a child of God. But in the mind of the person, the mind of the person or their thinking process does not change immediately. You need your mind renewed. Just because you got saved don't mean your mind changed. You were crazy before salvation, you're going to be crazy after salvation because that does not change your mind. There's a process that you must undergo that's called sanctification that is initiated that you must go through the process of sanctification where there's a daily spiritual renewal that happens when self-dedication and surrenderance to God happens. And when we do that, that's when we're changed. Sorry to bust your bubble. You don't change because you jump and shout. You 
You don't change because you, you, uh, uh, you sing on the choir. You don't change because you signed up for a ministry. You change when you dedicate yourself to God and you surrender yourself to God every day, in and out, up, down, don't matter how good your day was or how awful it was, you have to constantly and daily surrender yourself to God, to God, I said to God, surrender yourself to God, I said to God, surrender yourself to God, I said to God, not your attitude, surrender yourself to God, not your feelings, surrender yourself to God, because the reality is we have mastered how to surrender ourselves to how we feel. Okay, I ain't got nobody tonight. It's all right. I'll teach this by myself. The reality is we have mastered surrenderance to the wrong stuff. We know how to surrender to our feelings. We know how to surrender ourselves to a mood. We know how to surrender ourselves to, to what people think. But the reality is that we have to daily surrender. That's why, Paul, that's why Paul said, I got to die daily. Every single day I get up, I got to kill myself all over. Because there's certain parts of me, Mother D's, that wants to pop back up, that wants to, that wants to live. And how many know there's a daily struggle that you have to fight with yourself in order to kill that flesh because the flesh wants to get the best of you. Y'all, I ain't got nobody tonight. All right. That's all right. So when we are being sanctified, it is directed by the Holy Spirit with the purpose of our soul man. What is our soul? What is the soul? Y'all talking like y'all little boys and little girls. Open your mouth. What is your soul? The mind, the emotions, and the will can experience the same transformation that happened in your spirit man. So when you get saved, your spirit man gets changed. But your, watch this, um, uh, your, but your soul stayed exactly the same. Your mind, your will, your emotions. I know this, this, this generation, you always hear save your soul. Well, the reality is when God saves you, he saved your spirit. Your soul got to be worked on. Your mind got to be worked on. Your will got to be worked on. Your emotions have to be worked on. And the battlefield for all this that happens, this change that happens, this process that you have to go through is in your mind and in your thinking. Now, let's be real. Let's be honest. How many can admit that you can say without a shadow of a doubt that, yes, I'm saved, but I got some messed up thinking? All right. Uh, that's why Romans tells us that we are to be renewed in our minds. And the word renewed means to make new again. In order for a person to become all that God has designed for them to be, uh, he must be, he or she must be made new again in their mind. Made new again, refashioned, changed according to God's original design. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 22. Ephesians 4, verse 22. We talked about this on last week. I'm doing a summary so I could get you to the next place because I can't take you to the next place until you get this. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You have a say amen? You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Look at somebody say put off your old self. You too acquainted to that old you. You too acquainted to that old you. The old stuff you used to do, pre-salvation. Uh, no, let me cl clarify that. Before sanctification. <laughs> that old you, that, that, that you are stuck in this way, that you say, I'm just going to always be like this. My mama was like this. My daddy was like this. All us like this. 
and God comes along and say, put, out, put off that old self, that old you, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That word made new or renewed uh, there in another translation means to made, be made young again. It is the process, we talked about this last week, of recovery. That your mind, if you go through your mind being renewed, your mind must go through recovery. You know what that means? It means that before the process of sanctification, you did some stuff to yourself that messed you up. And now you got to go through the process of recovery. God has you in the process of recovering. This is why God needs you to be renewed in your mind. Because there's some stuff you still crying over you should have been over a long time ago. There's some stuff that you're still burdened by that you should have let go of a long time ago. And God is saying you got to be recovered from all that. The craziness, the damage, the foolishness that your flesh got you into, you got to make sure that you get recovery from that. And I don't know about you, but every time I come to church, I'm under recovery. I'm trying to be changed. I know some of y'all, let me tell you something. Some of y'all come to church because it's just a thing you do and you ain't got nothing else to do. But is there anybody on the sound of my voice that say, I could be doing a whole lot of other stuff with my time, but every time I come into the house of God, it is because I need my mind to be recovered from some foolishness that happened a long time ago. There's some stuff that happened in my childhood that still play over and over again in my mind. There's some stuff that went ha that happened in, uh, in my teenage years that I'm still struggling with to this day. I ain't got no real people. I'm going to talk to three of y'all tonight. Can I have some honest people that can say, let's be real. I'm saved. I'm in my 20s. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I am growing up, but the reality is is there's some stuff in my past that's still affecting me to this day and I need recovery to happen in my life. If I'm talking to anybody, lift up your hands and tell God, recover me, recover me, recover my mind because there's some damaging words that I'm still dealing with to this day. There's some damaging things that happened a long time ago that I'm still struggling with. There's some decisions that I made that I still ain't got over yet that's still haunting me to this very day. And I don't know about you, but whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I need to be free in my mind. <sighs> we are corrupted by our own choices. We are influenced by the dictates of our flesh. And when you're wounded by hurts and pains, uh, they leave a mark on your mind and on your memory. There's some memories you got that if it pop up in your head right now, it will set your whole mood to the left. You ready for this? And here's the danger of spiritual people. I'm talking to freedom. The danger of spiritual people. I'm talking to freedom. That means you. The danger of spiritual people is that if you don't go through the recovery process, the rest of your life will be affected by a thought you should have been delivered from a long time ago. This is the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that it's so hard to get some of y'all to praise God. Because your mind is plagued about what happened two years ago and what happened five years ago and what somebody said to you earlier and what you're still struggling with. And God is saying, don't you realize that I'm the one that could deliver your soul, that I could go all the way in your past and heal the hurt from your past? Is there anybody here that can say, I'm a living witness that I serve a God that stepped out of eternity, went into my past, and disconnected some hurt in some pain and I ain't struggling with that stuff anymore because I serve a God that is able to deliver me is there anybody in here that can give God just a little bit of praise like you believe by faith that God can deliver stuff from your past you got to go through recovery you got to go through recovery 
you better go through recovery talking about you want to get married. You better go through recovery talking about you want a new position and a new job. Because here's what happens. You will go into a new season with old habits. You will go into a new season still carrying the stuff from the past. And God is saying, why don't you let that go? Because where I'm taking you, you can't take all that baggage with you. I need you to touch your neighbor and say, drop the baggage. Drop it, drop it, drop it. Drop the memory. Drop the mark. Drop the hurt. Drop the pain. Drop the same old sad story that you keep telling everybody about what you went through. And, oh, I struggled a long time ago. Honey, we tired of hearing that testimony. Can we hear a testimony about the God that came and delivered you? And set your mind free. There's some stuff that was hurting me and it don't hurt me no more. Is there anybody in the house that got that testimony that can say, I'm a living witness that God can deliver you from the memory of it? So why is renewal of the mind so important? I said this on last week. Number one, renewal of the mind is important because our thinking determines our behavior. So as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. I can tell you who you. I can tell you who, what's on your mind by how you live. I can tell what's on your mind by how you behave. I can tell who you are. So the renewal of the mind is important because I think it determines our behavior. Number two, renewal of the mind is important because thoughts affect our motives, which will ultimately ju- be judged by God. Your thoughts affect your motives. Why you do what you do. Hello. Your thoughts affect your motives. God can decipher, are you in church for a man or are you in church for him? Y'all can be quiet on me, I don't care. God can decide and discern the difference between, are you praising me because I'm good or are you praising me because you want a new car? God is wise enough to discern what are your true motives. And it's your motives that will ultimately be judged by God. God wants to know, are you faithful to me because I'm just that good to you? Or are you doing this, but you got an attitude while you're doing it? <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, he knows you like that. He knows you like that. Yeah, he knows you like that. Number three, renewal of the mind is important because sin, sin stems from evil thinking. You didn't fall into sin. You thought your way into sin. It was in your mind first. And it worked on your mind until it became a reality in your life. Yes, that's why we need to ask God every day, purge my mind, wash my mind. Yeah, because I'm in some sin. I'm doing some stuff that is not pleasing to you. So I need you to wash my mind. Help me, help me. Because whatever's on my mind long enough, that's what I end up doing. Mm-hmm. And some of y'all have perfect total recall. Because you know how to pull it up just at the right time to take you where you need to go. Number four, renewal of the mind is important because our thoughts are exposed by God's word. God's word, watch this, we don't read the word, the word reads us. See, you don't get the word just for information, you get the word so it can dissect you, so it can tear you up. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest messages that I probably ever preached to you, I, nobody shouted, nobody fell out, nobody was on the altar crying. Some of the greatest messages that I probably ever preached to you, you walked away from here mad, sat at home, sitting at your desk. And it kept playing over in your ears over and over again. I love some of y'all because some of y'all stopped listening to, to the, uh, uh, what we got, Apple, uh, p- the podcast and all that. Some of y'all just stopped listening to it because you don't want to hear it no more. Because sometimes your flesh is so strong that it'll shut down every word that God is trying to say to you. <laughs> I 
bless your ministry. So what, what, is, what is the state of, God's, of, of, of man's mind apart from Christ? What is the state of, of man's mind apart from Christ? We said this last week, that our minds apart from Christ is an unredeemed state. And number one, the unredeemed mind is what? Defiled. What that mean? Corrupted. Stained. Polluted. Our minds are messed up. Ooh, stained and polluted. Good morning. Why is she saying that to me? That's a stained and polluted mind. Yeah. Church be packed on Sunday. Somebody come sit next to you. That's a stained and polluted mind. Defilement of the mind means that the thoughts, wishes, purpose, and activities of a person are stained and polluted. Number two, the unredeemed mind is what? Blinded. That you can't see spiritual stuff. Uh, we looked at 2 Corinthians 4 where it says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul says, instead of opening uh, the eyes of the mind, Satan blinds their minds and their, their spiritual vision, leaving their, their physical vision intact. When you have an unrenewed mind, you can't see with spiritual insight. Anybody ever been there before? where you were blinded by the enemy and you couldn't even see what was right in front of your face? Let me put it like this. You never miss the water till the well is run dry. <laughs> I've been teaching, it's in Deuteronomy. I've been teaching uh, those that work in ministry in Deuteronomy 28 chapter. We're talking about you blessing the city, blessing the field, bless when you come, bless when you go, and, you know, we shout over that. But we don't keep reading until we get around that 40th, somewhere around that 40th verse. And that 40th verse says, the Lord says, I'm going to give you over to the, to the enemy because when I was prospering you, you had an attitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is the enemy can blind you to the place that you can't even see how God is really operating in your life. And God says, after a while I get tired, and so I'm just going to give you over to your enemy and let the enemy have his way with you until you realize that my way is a whole lot better. Is there anybody in here? I know you don't want to admit this. I know you don't want to admit this. But there's some season of your life that you took for granted for, and you're still looking back at that season saying, I messed that up. Ooh. Okay. All right, single people. There's some people you dated. That wasn't that awful. Okay. I know that's the, the testimony you want to tell everybody, but you don't want to add your part into the mix of it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. God bless you. There's some jobs that God had you on that you look back at it now and say, I wish I was back over there instead of this hell that I'm in right now. I know you want to tell the truth. I know you want to admit that because our pride gets ahead of us and tries to make believe that where we are now is better than where we came from. But there's some places we came from that's a whole lot better than where we are now and some of us need to go ahead and repent so that God can get us out the hand of the enemy and put us back in the prosperous place because is there anybody in here that say whatever state I'm in I'm learned to be content I've learned to praise him whether I'm up or down in the valley and the mountain I've learned if it's a good day or bad day and all things I'm going to give thanks unto God for this is the will of God concerning me I need to take a pause for the cause and find out is there anybody here on a Wednesday night that could give God glory and give God praise that in the midst of where I am right now hey God I ain't gonna shut down your worship I ain't gonna shut, shut down your praise it could be a whole lot better but thanks be unto God it could be a whole lot worse so wherever I am right now some of y'all ain't praising you're just looking at me but if I give you a microphone all of a sudden you gotta praise I need you to open up your mouth and give God glory for where you are right now I'm confused I'm confused because some of us are allowing ourselves to be so regretful that we won't 
we won't actually re uh, release pride from our life long enough to realize, God, where I'm at right now, I got myself here. I got myself here. <sighs> All this there. Well, honey, ain't nobody spent that money but you. I'm so heartbroken. You better stop talking to him. Ask your neighbor, say, is he helping you? Is he helping you? Is he helping you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ain't going to answer that because they're mad. That's all right. It's okay. Breathe in, breathe out. You're going to get this word. Number three, the unredeemed mind is alienated from and hostile to God. That when your mind is not uh, redeemed, uh, uh, you are alienated from God and hostile to God. So we look at Colossians 1.21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. When, when your mind is not renewed, you will walk in deliberate and purposeful enmity and be hostile towards God and the things of God. God looks at us and he sees the passion and excitement that we have over sin and realize that that has a deeper seat in our hearts uh, than a passion and a desire for God. Isn't it amazing how we, watch this, some of the best praise that God got from some of y'all is after a blessing. When some of the best praise that God should have got from y'all is when you was going through hell. God help me right there. Because if the only time you're going to say thank you is if I'm giving you something, then I'm your sugar daddy. But if I'm really your God, you could be down in the pits of hell and say, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help, my help coming from the Lord. Is there anybody in here that say, God ain't going to get his best praise out of me just when I get blessings. He going to get praise out of me whether I'm up or down, whether I feel good or I don't, where I got a new car or the one just broke down. I'm still going to bless God. See, this is what you need to hear so that you don't go through a depression and a six month, I ain't going to, I'm not with the God thing anymore because some of us need to realize that whatever state I'm in, I'm going to give God the glory and I'm going to give God the praise. My praise is not predicated on the blessing that I'm getting because guess what I've discovered? The enemy can bless you, but when God blesses you or if he ain't blessing you, honey, I've discovered why he ain't blessing me, he's still blessing me because if I just inhaled and exhaled, that was a blessing and that was enough for me to praise him. You still don't believe, believe me because the Bible says who, if you got breath in your body, you need to give God the praise. I need to find out, is there anybody here on Wednesday night that could give God a little bit of praise just because you still inhaling and exhaling? But see, when you alienated from God, you, you start to feel like God owed you something. I gave my tithe. He owed me that job. I showed up when I didn't feel good. He owed me this. Look at your neighbor and say, really? Really? He owed you something. Okay. All right. All right. See, you missed the praise. Because the praise is that you had the money to give the tithe. You missed the praise. 
the praise was that even though you didn't feel good, you still had a portion of health and strength. God help me. And while you sit up there complaining and all upset and mad at the world, God is saying, don't you see that even in your misery, I'm still working a miracle out in your life? Don't you see that even though you're going through hell and high water, I'm still a good God? Don't you see that even though situation and circumstances ain't working out the way you thought it was, I'm still providing, I'm still sustaining, I'm still lifting, I'm still healing you, I'm still delivering you. Why don't you give me just a little bit of praise and stop being alienated because you think I owe you something? All right. Indeed, the unredeemed mind is futile. It means we vain. Our minds are on the riches of this world, the lust and pleasures, the, the things that are malicious and hurtful that come to nothing and without effect. We get so consumed with things that are that we that put our that we put our eyes on um, ourselves instead of putting our eyes on God. So now we got a generation that everybody trying to secure the bag. Everybody trying to get money. I ain't say don't get your money. Now get your money. I ain't, I ain't mad at you by getting your money, but money should not come before what God has called you to. If money pulls you away from your children, you might need to think about that. Hello, somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If 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 money if if if, if if, if what you are putting your eyes on is consuming you to the place that God no longer gets the glory out of your life, you need to reevaluate that, okay? We get distracted by self in the flesh. And I think this is the last one. The unredeemed mind is set on things of the flesh. When your mind is not renewed, the mind is controlled by the sinful nature. The human heart, the mind is set on sin. How many can say your dial at one point was set on sin? I mean set on it. Yeah, your temperature was sin. Mm-hmm. When it didn't matter what nobody said, I'm talking about after salvation. <laughs> I ain't talking about before salvation. I'm talking about after salvation. Like, oh, I'm finna, I'm, listen, I'm about to get it in. I'm about to do it. I'm about to turn up. I'm about to do whatever I want to do in this moment. I've been se- you set your dial on sin. Here's the great thing about God. You know when God's hand is on your life? When you set your mind to do what you want to do and God messes up your plans. <laughs> I know, see, that's when you know God really hand is on your life, that you that you doing everything you can to throw yourself at the sin, and the sin just ain't, it just, you, it, what, I mean, come on, I mean, I mean, this, come on, this is my opportunity, I got time from this here to his, this here, I'm going out of town, I'm getting to don't nobody know my name, I'm going to do what I want to do, and it don't seem like nothing working out, ain't nothing, ain't none of my plans coming together, and then you get mad and you upset, and then all of a sudden you get spiritual and say, well, I guess, you know, I'm the God, I thank you because you might have kept me from some. He kept you from yourself. <laughs> Do I have anybody I'm talking to that know exactly what I'm talking about? that your dial is just set on sin. You're going to do your thing, and God shut that thing down. But thanks be unto God that his loving kindness can come and reach you in the mess and in the muck and in the mire. And when you're trying to do wrong, he will reach down and get you and snatch you up out the foolishness you done got yourself into. Be mad. Upset. Crying. Just wasted this opportunity. <laughs> I ain't got no real people right there. The unredeemed mind is focused on earthly or temporal things. We, we talked about that as well. And so we, we moved on from what are some things that influence the way we think. And we said our upbringing, our past experiences, both negative and positive. 
um, our upbringing. Let me stop right there. Um, there's some crazy ways we got from, you know, the people that raised us that we still trying to get delivered from. Some ways of thinking that we just like, and you know what's so crazy? You don't realize until you get older. But you look back and say, that was crazy. You ever, you, okay. You ever go to they, you ever go to their house and they still doing whatever they doing or saying whatever they say and you like, and then you look at yourself and say, I was raised in this. Mm-hmm. Upbringing. Let me, let me put that on the other side, because that's from the perspective that you see that as crazy. But there's some of us that are still dealing with thinking from our upbringing that we don't see nothing wrong with. Some things we're still doing that we don't see nothing wrong with it. But that stuff was crazy. Okay? Our past experiences, both positive and negative. If something was positive, it shapes the way that we think. It influences the way that we think. If something was negative, it shapes the way that we think. Okay? Our education and relig- religious training. Those that got a little bit of education, it shapes your, th- it framed the way you think. In fact, you go to college to learn how to think. That's the whole purpose of college, to learn how to think. Your religious training. If you grew up in a very old school uh, dogma, freedom might get on your nerves at first. Because you can't understand why I'm wearing jeans. It shuts down your whole, you know, your whole religiosity. Because you can't understand that. Your, your religious training. You had that, that, that uh, do, uh, do this unto me. Remember, do this in remembrance of me table. Y'all knew exactly what I was talking about when I said that. You can't touch it. Freedom will, will wear you out because you're like, where is the table? <laughs> you know, you were raised in certain dogmas. Don't walk in the pulpit. Now y'all can't even find the chair. Where the pastor sit? <laughs> it shapes and influences the way that you think. Our, our personal observation, how we observe life. It shapes the way that we think. Okay. This is, this, is, this is the age of thirst trapping. So if you see that people are getting um, attention based upon what they post, it will shape the way you think, so you think so that you can get the likes. Okay. Um, our fleshly interests, it shapes our thinking. Okay. Um, our role models, particularly those that we respect, shapes our thinking. The media shapes our thinking. Got to be careful. You watch one news, they say one thing. You watch another news, they say something else. Everything is subjective now, but it shapes the way you think. I, I, I just, I won't watch Fox News, because I, I just swear if you watch more of an hour of it, you turn into a zombie. It's the only way some of them people can be that crazy. So I watch it for five minutes and I get off of it real quick before the zombies take me over. You know? And then you got to be careful with MSNBC. Because they totally in the other direction. And I have to watch it for 10 minutes because I kind of agree with some of what they say in it. <laughs> but then I got to get my eyes off of it. Because all that, the media, it shapes the way that you think. All right? Um, it shapes it so much that even some of the terms we pick up comes from the media. It influences you. So what is our goal 
for the renewed mind. This is what's new on tonight. What is our goal for the renewed mind? What is the goal for a renewed mind? What is the goal for the renewed mind? Um, number one, our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. Our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. Our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. Okay. Um, go over to, y'all got that? I'll make sure y'all got that before I move on. What is the goal of a renewed mind? Our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. Okay. Um, go to I Isaiah 55, verse number 7 through 9. Isaiah 55, Old Testament. Isaiah 55, 7 through 9. Isaiah 55, 7 through 9. Okay. Now, I'm going to forewarn you. I'm getting ready to go into controversial area, but I need you to listen, and I need you to think. I'm not going to, I don't want to tell you what to think. I just want you to think. Does that make sense? Okay. Isaiah 55, because I don't believe that you should have a religion that disconnects your mind when you walk in, in church. Your mind needs to be involved when you come in service. Isaiah 55, especially you go to some of these churches, you're like, what is this? Okay. Isaiah 55, verse number seven through nine. goal is to think like God thinks about everything. Isaiah 55 verse 7 through 9. If you have it, say amen. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Look at verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Y'all see that? Okay. I want you to write this, this, this term down that I'm getting ready to give you. This verse exposes an aspect of God that theologians call the transcendence of God. Transcendence of God. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your way, uh, my ways, your ways. Um, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? This is what we call the transcendence of God. Everybody say transcendence of God. Okay. To transcend means to exist above and independent from. To exist above and independent from. Okay, here we go. We're going to think right now. Okay? By this definition, God is the only truly transcendent being because he exists above and independent from anything and everything else. Do you exist above and independent of everything else? No. Something else had to help you to even get here. Something else is even sustaining you right now. If we take all the air out the room, guess what? You no longer exist. So there are other things that are needed in order for you to exist, but not God. 
because God is above, exists above and independent from anything else. The Lord God Almighty, or in the Hebrew, El Shaddai, created all things on earth, beneath the earth, in the heavens above, yet he exists above and independent from them. All things, Hebrews 1 and 3 says, are upheld by his mighty power, yet he is upheld by himself alone. Nobody upholds God. He's upheld by himself. The whole universe exists in him and for him that he may receive glory and honor and praise. Here we go. Now we're going to think. This, the difficulty for us is if God is transcendent, God is both unknown and unknowable. But he continually seeks to reveal himself to his, to his creation. It's going to get deep. It means the unknown is seeking to be known. Talking about God. That's a paradox. Being transcendent, God is the incomprehensible creator existing outside of space and time and thus is unknowable and unsearchable. Yet, he reveals himself. Neither by an act of our will nor by an act of our own reasoning can we possibly come to understand or experience him personally. God wants us to seek to know him, yet how can a finite possibly know and understand the infinite? Because our minds and thoughts are so far beneath his. Why am I saying this? Because ain't no Christian got a monopoly on God. You don't know everything about God. And I don't know everything about God. He, what you know is what he's revealed. Let's go deeper. Go to Romans the 11th chapter. We thinking now. You're Romans the 11th chapter. Romans the 11th chapter, verse number 33. Let's go deeper. Romans 11, verse 33. God is transcendent. He exists all by himself. He doesn't need anything or anybody else to be who he is. But he says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. All right? So how's my mind ever going to be renewed if we are so far from him? Catch this. Romans 11, chapter, verse number 33. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Why am I saying this? Let me put a parenthetic pause right here. That's why we must never be surprised if God does something in our life we don't understand. Okay. See, we can't fall apart just because we don't have all the answers. Or we go through a season that don't make no sense. I'm talking to real people right here. Because there is a season in your walk with God where ain't nothing going to make no sense. 
You don't understand why you're here. You don't understand why you're on that job. You don't understand why you in, in that relationship. You don't understand why you connected to that church. You don't understand why you connected to those people. There are seasons that we all go through that ain't nothing going to make any sense. But I have to trust that he is an all-knowing and all-wise God. I have to believe that all things are working to my, to, for, together for my good, even if I don't understand it. And can I tell you something? Let me help you real good. Pastor going to help you that the next six months of your life going to be wonderful. Stop trying to figure out everything God is doing in your life. There's some things you will never be able to figure out because he is an all-knowing, all-wise God, yet you don't know him. You just got to trust him. This is where the word faith comes in. Because God ain't always going to give you all the answers. This is the problem with the saints. Y'all want step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. I want A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And God says, no, I'm going to take you to A, then go over to H, then come back to I, then take you to Z. No, uh, I ain't ready for Z. You're going to get Y. And then I'm going to take you all the way back to D, and he's going to have you in a zigzag. And you will wear yourself out being frustrated with God, always trying to figure him out. Do me a favor. I need you to lift both of your hands up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift both of your hands up. Lift both of your hands up. And you know what that means? It symbolically means. I give up trying to be in control. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's it. That means I give up trying to be in control. God, you can have your way. You do what you want to do. And I trust that you got every decision planned out for my life, even if I can't figure it out. Is there anybody in here that say, God, deliver me from a controlling spirit with God? I try to control everything that he does and every decision that he makes, but he is an all-wise, all-knowing God. And if I don't have all the answers, he knows the end before the beginning. And I I trust him. Lift your hands and tell the Lord, I trust you. His wisdom is beyond my understanding. His knowledge exceeds my intellect. I know, I know we try to tell ourselves how smart we are. I know we thought we think we can figure it all out. You, you, you ever met people? You're looking at one of them. You ever met people that um, um that when somebody tell them, they walk away and say, I know why they really said that. Y'all ain't with me? You look confused. You didn't understand what I just said? Okay, let me back it up. Um, uh, uh, someone comes to you, someone comes to, to you and say, say something, and all of a sudden, whatever they said, you interpreted to be something totally different. You ever had conversations with them people? Well, they said this, but I know what they was really trying to say. Because, you know, y'all always looking for shade. You always looking. You always looking for the shade. You always looking. You always looking for the shade. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. You do that with God. Well, I know God got me over here, but I know what's really going on. No, you don't. Touch your neighbor. Grab him by the hand. Say, neighbor, you in a season right now. You just got to trust him. Yeah, you just got to trust him. You got to trust him. You, you just got to trust him. You might not know all the answers, but you got to trust him. You got to trust that he knows more than you. You got to trust that he knows all the answers. You got to trust that before you even have the question, he already knows the solution. You got to trust that. That takes faith. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Okay. So even if I don't understand, I still trust that he knows everything. This is one of the great debates in theology. We finna think, so let me go a little deeper. Can I go a little bit deeper? Y'all still with me? Y'all brain still awake? Okay. This is one of the great debates in theology. It's the difference between God imminent and God transcendent. Okay? God imminent and God transcendent. 
every uh, minister of MIT, if I come back and ask you this and you don't have an answer for me, we're going to have a problem. God imminent and God transcendent. Western religions, hear me, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, have, learned, have leaned towards God transcendent versus Eastern religions that lean toward God imminent. I'm going to break all this down for you. God imminent means that God is inside you. y'all hear that all the time now? Ain't that what the world trying to say to you now? That, you know, God is in you. I don't go to church because God is in me. Oh, I'm, I'm going to free some of y'all because this world is sneaking some stuff by you that you don't even hear. That God is in you. I don't, I, I'm, I don't, I don't have, I don't need religion. I'm spiritual. God is in me. Is he? Watch this. God imminent means that God is inside of you and that God is a part of the fabric of who you are. Come on, let's go deep. This is where Buddhism, Gnostic, Gnosticism, get their foundation of the theology from, that God is within you. Okay? So instead of believing in creation, being created by a creator, they believe in your becoming. Your consciousness. You have a higher consciousness, and so you're becoming. Are y'all y'all with me? Y'all with me? Because I need to bust up. You need to know your faith. You need to know your faith. You know how to you need to know how to defend your faith. You're becoming. You're coming to a higher consciousness. You're on a higher frequency. God is within you. You have a third eye. I'm going to teach you something tonight. You will not be a dumb church. Um, uh, God is within you. The problem with God imminent philosophy is that God becomes no different than the creation. So my mind being renewed is a consciousness that is self-driven and self-sustained. Which means I got to do it all myself. Because God is within me. Um, can I ask you something? Can you look at some of the habits that you've had that God has delivered you from? And you can know without a shadow of doubt, that wasn't me. <laughs> that was not me. There was some hate that I had, some unforgiveness in my heart. There was some frustrations that I had that I, that I don't even know how it happened. It had to be God. And if God was just in me, that didn't listen. That would have never happened. Watch this. Let me go deeper. But God transcendent is the belief that God is out there and there is a gulf or a space between the creator and the creation. Okay? The thinking is that God is unreachable by man except by supplication and plea. But the difference with our transcendent God is that he is far removed and in me all at the same time. I missed that, that, that went right past you and you missed what I just said. The difference between our transcendent God is that he is distant and in me all at the same time. You don't believe me. Because the Bible says, for my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
that he dwells on the inside of me, yet he's a God that's far off all at the same time. So he's not somebody that cannot be touched with the infirmities of my weaknesses, but he is a God that, watch this, that one day stepped out of eternity, wrapped himself in flesh, came down 40 and two generations by a man named Jesus so that he could feel what I feel, know what I thought, know how it felt to be in this skin. Watch this. And when he died and he was resurrected and ascended on high, the Bible says that 40 days later, the Holy Ghost fell and now he's not just God on the outside and he's not just a God that's far away and he's not just a God that's wrapped in a body, but now he's dwelling on the inside of me and so I have a transcendent and an imminent God all at the same time. You better know your faith. So I don't pray to a statue because that's far removed. That's not in me. And I don't pray to myself because I'm jacked up. I need a greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I need a power that's greater than Philip because Philip is crazy. Philip will make mistakes. Philip will miss the mark. But I need a power that when I don't want to do right, something on the inside of me shakes me and says, you better do right. Is there anybody here that say, I thank God for the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost shut my mouth one day. I thank God for the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost made me walk right. I thank God for the Holy Ghost because I was getting ready to make a bad decision, but something on the inside inside of me wouldn't leave me alone he is a transcendent God that dwells on the inside of me he's in me and if he's in me here it, here it is my mind is being renewed to think like God thinks mm -hmm. I should feel sorry for myself but my mind is being renewed to see myself like God sees me my attitude should be of doom and gloom but my mind is being renewed to see life from God's perspective. Can I, ask, can I just say this? You know how awesome your life would be if you started seeing your life from God's perspective? You know how different your day would change? That no matter how much your boss got on your last nerve, if you saw your life through God's perspective, you would see that this was just a temporary assignment. <laughs> Watch this. Our thinking should be that God, at the end of the day, is in control. He's in control. He is the one holding all the pieces, and at just the right time, he can and will put them in place to make a beautiful picture out of them, even in the most difficult and trying situations of my life. He, he, his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. His plan and purpose. See, if it was my plan and my purpose, I would have been a billionaire by now. I would have been married. I would have had my mansion. I wouldn't be stunned about y'all. I wouldn't even be thinking about preaching no gospel. But when God has a plan for your life, he will maneuver your steps that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Lord, and then he'll make you so effective that even if you ain't got a billion dollars in the bank, what you're doing for him will outweigh any amount of money that could ever be in your bank account. Is there anybody that can look at your life and say, yes, my life could be like this, and yes, my life could be like that, but I give God glory that what he took me through was all worth it, that what I have to face every single day of my life is all for his glory, and I give him honor and praise because he got me right where I need to be and I'm giving him glory right here. He knows how to put all the pieces together. Stop stressing yourself out. 
Stop wrecking your brain. Trying to figure out your next move. Be still and know that he is God. Stop going to the left or to the right. My grandma used to say it like this. You're too flighty. You're here, there, and everywhere. You run from pillar to post. You, you just, you don't know how to steal yourself. You, you, you're emotionally just all over the place. And if a wind blow, your emotion change. And your whole mind change. You fall in and out of love with people. You fall in and out of friendships with people. You look inside at everybody. And God is saying, just be still. Why don't you let me uncover who people really are? And just let me fight your battle. And you stop trying to do it all by yourself. Is there anybody in here that say, I can't do this thing by myself. I need God every single day of my life. I need him for every decision that I make. And I'm just going to be still and know that God knows all how to put all the pieces together. Stop tripping. Stop tripping. Hey, hey, calm down. Stop tripping. Calm down. Watch this. So um, the goal, number one, what's our first goal? Come on, let's say it together. What? Here's our second goal. Our goal is to have the mind of Christ. Our goal is ha to have the mind of Christ. Our goal is to have the mind of Christ. I love this because now next time you're watching uh, something on TV and they say, you know, I got God in me, you're going to be like, mm. That's that imminent God. Mm. Our goal is to have the mind of Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 16. First Corinthians two sixteen, yes. First Corinthians two sixteen. The Bible says, First Corinthians two sixteen, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Can I ask you something? Take that scripture. Let's read it one more time. I'm going to say a statement after this. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Question. How much of your prayer life is trying to instruct God what you want? Let me rephrase that. How much of your prayer life is you trying to instruct God on what he should do? Let's take him. Take him to another department. Let's. You know, having the mind of Christ means sharing the plan, purpose, and perspective of Christ. Having the mind of Christ means sharing the plan, the purpose, and perspective of Christ. Not the plan that I got for myself, not the purpose that I want for my life, and not the perspective of my feelings, but the plan, the purpose, and perspective of Christ. What does Christ have planned for you? What does God's purpose for your life? 
what is God's perspective of you? Um, I want you to, I should have turned that myself. I'm going to go to it right now. Go, uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, let's go back to verse number 1 because I need to kind of lay this out for you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse number 1. Uh, when I came to you, brothers, y'all see that? When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Write this down. Number one, the mind of Christ stands in contrast to the wisdom of man. The mind of Christ stands in contrast to the wisdom of man. I'm using this as an example, but I don't, I don't need you to just relay it to this one example. Man's wisdom tells you, pay all your bills. The mind of Christ says, give your tithe. The question now becomes, which one you going to follow? Because sometimes man's wisdom is in total contradiction of the mind of Christ. Man's wisdom says, let them have it. They done tried you for the last time. The mind of Christ says, turn, turn the other cheek. So the question becomes, what do you operate in? Here's the problem with the saints. Y'all don't want, we don't want to operate in the mind of Christ. We want to operate in worldly wisdom. Watch this. Because we got the world looking at us, and we don't want to look foolish. So we would rather make decisions for our life based upon how people perceive us than how God looks at us. Ain't that something? Because you could disobey God and don't really nothing happen to you right then and there. Mm -hmm. But you make one mistake, and they put you on blast on social media. See the difference? Watch this. The mind of Christ stands in sharp contradic uh, contrast to the wisdom of man. Let's keep reading. Verse number six. Uh, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Number two, write this down. The mind of Christ involves wisdom from God. Comma. Once hidden, but now revealed. The mind of Christ involves wisdom from God. Once hidden, but now revealed. What does that mean? That means that there was one way that you used to live your life that now because you have gone through the sanctification process and your mind is being renewed, there's some things that have to change even though you used to do it. 
because it was once hidden to you that that was a problem. Do you see that? Okay. But now that you, that, that you have wisdom from God, it is no longer hidden from you. You see it for yourself. Now, here's what I need you to get you to, get you to understand. Sometimes God will have us in a process that he starts revealing stuff to us, but we refuse to walk into it and walk in it because we can't see that God's way is going to be better than our own decision. This is heavy right here. This is the difficulty of faith because now, watch this, if you don't walk in it, it's still hidden to you because you can't see how obeying God is going to be beneficial for you. But the moment you walk in it, now you see for yourself that this is beneficial and it's no longer hidden from you any longer. What, what I mean by that? Um, there was a season of my life where God had to show me that there were certain toxic people that I had to put out. Watch this. But because um, I, could, I could tend to be one of those people, I'm very loyal. Hear me, I'm very loyal. Even if I'm mad at you, I still stay loyal, unfortunately. Um, I know some of y'all, y'all got a good cutoff spirit. My cutoff spirit only happens after I've realized that I'm investing in somewhere that ain't going to garner nothing. So let me just move on. But I am, initially, I'm very loyal. And God said to me, there was a particular person that was in my life that God said, you know, they are really toxic. And watch this. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to help them. And the Lord said, but you don't see how they infecting your spirit after they gone? Cut that loose. Because you love too deep that you don't know how to love them from a distance. So you need to cut it clean off. Because the longer you stay in it, the longer you're going to stay bound to it. Okay. So I was like, okay, Lord, all right, I hear you. Yes, Lord. What you doing? As a dog returns to his vomit, as the Bible says, you keep going back to it. Watch this. God is saying it's still hidden from you because you don't see the benefit of it. I'm telling you, but it's still hidden to you. The moment that I finally got the courage to let that alone was the moment that it was no longer hidden to me, and I saw for myself, oh, that was not God's best for my life. I had to let that go. I had to cut that loose. God is saying when your mind is being renewed, watch this, it is going to still be hidden to you until you walk it out. What am I trying to say to you? Let's go ahead and walk out what he say. So you won't be blinded to what's going on in your own life. But here's the crazy part. You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Isn't it embarrassing when other people get the revelation that you're still blind to? So everybody else see it, but you don't. Lift your hands and say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be crazy. Everybody else got the revelation but me. No, I don't want to be, no, no, no. Reveal it unto me, Jesus. Reveal it unto me, to me. You ain't got to send the prophet to come tell me about me. Come here, David. You ain't got to send the prophet to come tell me about me because I'm blind to it. No, let me, let me, let me see it for myself so I can say, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Uh, okay. All right, let's keep reading. Um, verse number, uh, where we at? Verse number seven. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God 
destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, that's what that scripture is right there, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Number three, the mind of Christ is given through the spirit of God. The mind of Christ is given through the Spirit of God. Let me bless you real good right here. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. You ready for this? Lord, if this you, turn green right now on this light. Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't the Spirit. No, that's not how that works. That's not how any, any of that works. It's not how that works. It is, it, it, it happens in your spirit. Can I tell you something? When, when the spirit talks to you, sometimes it ain't, you know, heaven's pardon and the clouds open up and you hear James Earl Jones speaking to you. You don't hear Mufasa's voice. It, it is, it is, the Bible says it's a still, small voice. You ready for this? Sometimes when the Spirit speaks to you, it's a thought. <laughs> Let me tell you when you know, sometimes when you know that's God, because you'll be like, where that came from? <laughs> Why am I even thinking about this? Like some, the Lord will put somebody on your mind that you don't even talk to. Has the Lord ever put somebody on your mind that you don't even know their name? Because he's trying to show you something in your spirit. It ain't always going to be some wild, fantastic, uh, uh, something that the Lord going to reveal to you. Sometimes it's in the smallest things. Sometimes I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and they'll say one word, and all of a sudden my baby go to leaping. The spirit on the inside of me just goes to leaping. And I'm like, oh, I just heard the Lord. Watch this. And how do you know that it's the Lord? and not some bad greens you ate. <laughs> I got to teach this. Do you know how you know it's the Lord? Watch this. Take what he said and find it in the word. Because if you can't find it in the word, that ain't God. Do you see that? Do you see that? Okay. The Lord say, he my husband. Honey, he married to somebody else. Tell somebody say, that ain't the word. That ain't the word. That ain't the word. You can't find a scripture to back that up. At, thank you. At all. Find me a scripture and back it up. Because whatever God speaks, it's going to be in this word. Okay? All right. Um, let me keep going. Verse number uh Ten, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, uh, uh, the Spirit who who is from God, that we must understand what God has freely given us. Verse thirteen. This is what we speak. 
not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Stop telling everybody your dream. God spoke that to you in your spirit. They ain't going to understand that. There's some spiritual people that ain't going to understand that. God spoke it to you. Watch this. Let me keep going. Uh, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Number four, write this down. The mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the spirit. Stop running what the Lord said through people that ain't spiritual. Stop it. The, the, mind of, the, mind of the, the mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the spirit. Stop taking spiritual things to unspiritual people. They ain't got no prayer, prayer life. They can't touch and agree with you. They're going to look at you crazy. Watch this. And they're going to speak word curses over you. Oh, she's stupid. Mm -hmm. Number five, the mind of Christ gives believers discernment in spiritual matters. The mind of Christ gives believers discernment in spiritual matters. What does that mean? That means when you pray, just don't jump out there. Get some discernment. Discern your next step. Discern your next decision. Stop just jumping up and doing stuff. Because the mind of Christ gives believers discernment in spiritual matters. You don't believe me? You ready for this? Remember Jesus uh, had an assignment over his life? And where, where did he work out this discernment? The Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if this be your will. Let this cup pass for me. Lord, if this be your will, let this cup pass for me. And the Lord didn't say nothing because he had to work out that discernment. Okay, God, this is my assignment for my life. You have to stop jumping into stuff. So what is, in, what, what is meant by the mind of Christ? I want to give you just a couple of things. I'm going to run through this really quick. What is it meant by the mind of Christ? Um... Number one, you will see the truth. Number two, if you have the mind of Christ, you will love the good. You will love the good. Let, let, me, let me say this right, Guy, number three. I have never seen a day in a time where the saints love to see the downfall of other people. I ain't, I, listen, I'm confused because I've never seen a day and time that you had now have, um, and I, some of y'all probably watch it, you know, these people got blogs and blogs now and got Facebook um, shows on Facebook where they have a whole show about the downfalls of preachers and, and musical artists. And, and I'm just like, I'm scratching my head. And, and what's crazy? Thousands of people watch it. 
And then they cast judgment on these people. You don't even know these people. You have no clue. Here's what I discovered. Here's what I discovered. Let me, let me just free you real good. If it ain't my church, I don't care. It is none of my business. I know what I will deal with and what, I could, what I'll put up with. I know my limitations and what I feel is right for me. And if I feel as if my pastor is doing something a little crazy or doing something sinful and I just can't get with it, then I know where to go at. But what do I look like trying to cast judgment on somewhere I don't go nor do I support? And here's what I love about you colored people. What I love about colored people is colored people love to put opinions where there's no investment. You love to tell me about my church, but you ain't gave nothing to it. I wish you would. I need the mind of Christ right now. I need the mind of Christ. Because I've never seen a day where the saints love to see the downfall of other people. When the Bible says that those that are caught in sin, that you are to go to them gently and you are to restore them back. You are to pray for them. You are to go to them one-on-one, -on -one, not get on social media and put people on blast. Listen, listen, ladies and gentlemen, if the Lord, if I start acting crazy and start cussing and carrying on and doing all kind of crazy stuff, listen, you got a mind, you know where to go at? Hello? Ain't nobody got no chains on them. Are you clear? You know what's good for you and what's not good for you. There's certain stuff I just don't do. I, I, I don't do certain things that some of these people are doing. But what I love is how the church now is with a broad stroke just because one person went rogue. Not a whole church. Just throw the whole church away. Come on now. What my point is this, how is it that you have the mind of Christ when you don't when you don't have the mind of Christ when you're never looking for the good? You should love good. Can I can I bless you real good? You should love when somebody prospers in this church. You should love when somebody comes up in this church. You should love you should celebrate God when somebody get a house or get a car or they get delivered for something you know they were struggling with for a long time. How dare you put your mouth on other people? I don't know how she got that. Ain't none of your business how she got that. You just need to give God glory because if he's a God that did it for her and you know how jacked up she is, then eventually by and by God going to make his way to you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll celebrate you, honey. All the stuff you do, whatever God do, however he lifts you up, whatever he blessed you with, I'll praise God for you. In fact, go ahead and give God glory. This is for what God is doing in your life. Stop being so hateful. You miserable because you think you deserve what somebody else got. You miserable. They drive them a new car. They got that. I know I make more money than that. Honey, you don't even want that car payment. Why is you even tripping right now? <sighs> Number three, the mind that chooses right. The mind that chooses the right. See, we love vacillating and varying in some of our cases um, to persistently choose evil. But Jesus showed us that the righteous that righteousness was not just the law he submitted to, it was the life he lived. Did you hear that? 
that the law was not something that he just submitted to is the life he lived. In other words, he loved doing right. That's what God wants us to get to, that we love doing the right. Right thing is, let me just shut up and not say nothing. Right thing is not to show what, what's going on, on on my face. That's the right thing. Right thing is not to retaliate. Watch this. Right thing is not to retaliate and not call somebody else and tell them that I didn't retaliate. Because when you call somebody else and tell them how you didn't retaliate, you just did. So how am I to sell? So prideful. Girl, I could have said something, but I ain't saying nothing. Child, shut up. Jesus said, you just got your glory right there. Okay? All right. Um, um, so... The fir our first goal was what? Our very first goal. Our second goal. Here's the third goal. Our goal is to experience true knowledge from God's perspective. To experience true knowledge from God's perspective. You don't have to turn to it. Just write this down. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Experience true knowledge from God's perspective, Colossians 3, 9 through 10. And the fourth goal is our goal is to have a heart and mind that reflects God's standard. Our goal is to have a heart and mind that reflects God's standard. So what is the goal? Uh, um, I'm sorry, let me give you this. Hebrews 8 and 10. Our goal is to have a heart and mind that reflects God's standards. Hebrews 8 and 10. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. All right, so read that back to me. What's the first goal? Number two, number three, and number four. Okay, so what I need you to do, those last two, look at this, the scripture I gave you, okay? Look at it, and I want you to see for yourself how I got that, okay? And when we come back next week, we will discuss that. Um, last thing that I want to um, say is that um, the last Wednesday in this month, I think it's the 31st, is that a Wednesday? That's the 31st. We're having a reverse Bible study. And so what's happening is I need you to email me any question that you have. Not It doesn't have to be even pertaining to this. If it does, that's fine. But you want to just ask any question, biblical question. If maybe you don't understand something, maybe you you know confused about something in the Bible or something that you heard that you want me to cl clarify, I need you to email it to me, pastor at tfcj.org. I'm going to do a reverse Bible study. You are going to tell me what I'm going to teach on because I want to just straighten some stuff out, all right? And just in case you had a question or anything that was just lost, I want to make sure I study it well so that I can give you a good answer. Amen. Praise the Lord, all right? So the deadline for that is that Sunday. That's the uh, fourth Sunday. What's that, the 27th? 28th. The 28th. So um, make sure you uh, submit that by the 28th. You can email it to me. 
um, that is the best way to get it to me, your question, and so that um, we can have a verse Bible study on um, August, uh, August, Lord Jesus, July the 31st, and um, it's going to be um, quite interesting. I'm ready for these questions, Lord Jesus. I'm ready for these questions. I got a funny feeling these questions are going to be about sex and, and, and relationships. Amen. You know, church love um, money and sex. They love not talking about it, but they love both of them. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Our youth ministry did not get overflowed for no reason. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, ladies, don't forget, please, if you have not re- uh, registered already, please register. Uh, it is um, daily. The numbers are going up. I'm grateful to God. Um, we have 42 that have registered so far. Our goal is 60. And so if you can get five or more, I said on Sunday 10, and I went back home, and the Spirit said, we need to lower that number. So I lowered that number to uh, five or more. If you get five or more women to register, they put your name down on the registration, um, you will get a $100 gift card. Uh, you will be in the raffle to receive a $100 gift card because if somebody else get five or more, you know, then we got to go with the highest one. Praise the Lord. Amen. So let me make sure I do this fine print. But make sure you register as soon as possible. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. Um, just want to give you a couple of uh, um, things. We have um, Pastor Danzi from um, 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 Daytona, Florida, um, Daytona Beach, Florida. She will be here um, teaching one of the classes on that Saturday, and then she will be preaching that Sunday morning.